0: Hello and welcome to another color Yellow. I am your host, Cato, and welcome, welcome to another episode of A Brief Opinion. Today, we have a couple of topics for you. And yes, I changed my name from Gata to Cato, but none of you will notice. Illegal lab funded by the CCP found in Southern California in Fresno County in Ridley. The lab was in apparent conditions found in the labs where mice, human blood, and diseases such as COVID AIDS, herpes, hepatitis, and other infectious diseases. So yes, it is true. There was a lab well it wasn't found in california now it wasn't really a lab i mean they found a storage room because i think there was like a water hose a garden hose coming out of it and authorities were like hey let's check it out they found a bunch of uh, lab equipment mice <laughs> infectious diseases like live diseases i guess and apparently you know this was um, a lab that uh or a place that the authorities had had in their eyes for a while but they due to some stringent bureaucracy they couldn't really get into it and check out what was going on there they didn't know it was a lab but they had some suspicion that it was something uh, going on there meaning that there was some who knows right who the hell knows but essentially they checked it out they found all this stuff and immediately the news got up there and said hey chinese lab found in america well apparently it, the company who bought it uh, let's see if i have the name here Prestige Biotech, Uh, they bought another company who had this equipment, who was like another, I guess, a research facility, and then they ended up storing storing these items Prestige Biotech did because they didn't know what to do with them. Now, in the lab, they found boxes labeled with shipping labels from China. So the owner was a Chinese uh, citizen, and uh, that's what he said. He was like, well, we bought this other company. Uh, We didn't know what to do with this. We just stored it, and that's the end of the story. Now, he communicated through email, so who the hell knows where he really is. But, I mean, this just really goes to show that there are already police, Chinese police stations in America. Now, these are very similar to the ones during the, uh, what is it, like, 30s, after World War II, where there were uh, police stations in countries like England, you know, the UK, and all these places, who had, uh, uh, essentially, the Chinese government was using this to... Cracked that on on uh, dissidents and they have them now so there's there's undercover clandestine police stations in the western world Australia no surprise there New Zealand uh, the British Isles some places well, probably all of Europe and the US of a uh and probably other nations so there's this again clandestine police stations uh they essentially shut down or sp- sp- speech against the CCP uh, they also have, you know, organized crime. So, you know, they handle all that. Uh, they get money for that from that. Rather, you know, they, they have operations in the States and other Western countries. Well, in, I don't know how many countries, but let's just say, say all Western countries. And from this, they get a lot of money, right? Racketeering, all kinds of illegal activities. And then they shut down any dissent from the Chinese communities, leaving abroad. And then they get uh, all these things like, hey, we're threatening you with action here. And then send them home to your families. And then we're gonna storage <laughs> storage. You. we're gonna uh, extortion you. We're gonna take a cut. We're gonna arrest you and beat you up. I think there's been cases where they're they're maybe deported back to China because uh, a lot of these a lot of the people in the community, as you can imagine, are illegal immigrants who come through shipping containers. Who are controlled by Chinese organized crime, who in then have connection with the CCP, much like Mexico's pre in the 1990s and 1980s where you had organized crime having links to the government uh, of course that happens here in the U.S. too but <laughs> it's more common in, in other countries because it's easier to talk about what's happening outside than what's happening inside uh, mainly because there's a lot of people who say you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong and all that kind of stuff so yeah Chinese apparently has a illegal funded labs which is insane again this coming off the illegal police stations that they already have. So then this goes to as a question: What the hell is the U.S. doing? This happened in California, a state that historically has been the thorough the third world's largest economy. I mean, if if California was a country, it would be like top ten nations in the world. Now you can argue that maybe it wouldn't be because if it wasn't part of the U.S., it wouldn't be. It would be less rich than it is because it has all the assets from America, America's protection. All this income that's coming to uh, california you know you can argue that by texas as well because texas is up and up and it has a pretty large economy it's getting better but again who knows if it was an independent nation it would actually have what it has now um, the resources it would but i mean why would you want to deal with texas uh, when you have other nations or other states around that that you can deal with if it wasn't part of the u.s so i don't know if it would have been rich <laughs> i mean you can argue why isn't i don't know botswana rich you know i don't know it's always weird uh because you know like the us did win world war Two, so since then they've been the lone superpower or one of the predominant world powers and it's hard to say if any one state would be more or better will be better off or worse than if it was independent but uh, again it's coming from california <laughs> a state that has been in decay for the past what is it, like 10 years 10 years five years I mean, it's the state has been in decay, I mean, for the past 10 or so years. You know, people were talking about their homeless uh, situation for as back, of, as, back as 2005. Um, they were seen as a beacon of liberal ideals, you know, essentially what the US should have been. But they have a history of being very, very harsh uh, towards immig- illegal immigrants. I mean, they had, I mean, if you, even now, if you go, there is, um, you know, the ISIS out there. My security, they're, they're going out there and rounding up people and then deporting them. So, you know, California is a very large speaking country, but you know, as a large, uh, rather Spanish speaking population, but I mean, still pretty, pretty racist and still pretty tough against immigration, despite what people will have you believe, like Republicans will tell you. Well, California is liberal. It's like, well, kind of, not really. Um, it's kind of racist, even in the liberal cities. Now, cities, as you would know, are pretty liberal everywhere. Um, You know, they always, people, they always criticize. uh, Every liberal city is accessible. They're terrible. Name me one liberal city that is doing great. I say, well, every city is a liberal city. Because when you live in a city, you tend to be more, you know, liberal. You tend to be less in people's business. You tend to be more outrageous in a way in order to bring attention. And there's not this sense of the community is going to ostracize me if I say I believe in this or if I do this, I dress like this. So living in a city is more liberal in general because nobody really cares, you know. Everybody has things to do, so there you go. I don't care what your boy is doing over there, gym, um, over here trying to have an orgy with hundred strangers. I don't care if your boy is uh, doing anything except shooting a gun. If that's the case, then yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, and it's only a big deal if it's in a wealthy area. If it's in a poor area, hey, what are you gonna do? You know, every state has him, every city has him. They have their lower income areas and in california they even have chinese independent labs on top of the illegal chinese police stations on top of the clandestine clandestine uh legal labs by the cartels where they grow weed and all kinds of laboratories where they produce uh, fentanyl and other drugs now fentanyl is is like a really big one that's being used now people like fentanyl terrible. it's coming from through mexico from china it's like bro it's like come on dog it's like really the US doesn't have enough problems, they're worrying about fentanyl. Like, really, is that such an epidemic? Is that specifically because of Mexican drug cartels? I don't know. A healthy nation doesn't have a drug addiction. Uh, if you go back to China and why they were so addicted to opiate, uh, they were not in a good place, despite, you know, like Chinese would make this argument that prior to the uh, English conquest of, of, of China, you know, the opium wars, <laughs> you can argue that. Yeah, they would argue that they were doing great. It was like, no, you guys were in decline. It was a backwards nation at that point. There was a point in time where you were the Chinese, very advanced, and we're gonna about to, you know, have an industrial revolution. But they were like, no, let's let's become isolated because what does the world have that we don't have? Essentially, this was a decision by the king, which happens in bureaucratic countries, countries who are autocratic, countries in which it takes one strong person to say, let's not do this, let's instead do that. And then it will change the entire course of their history. So by the time the opiate wars arrive in Chinese shores, the nation was in decay. People were not doing well. Again, you can find places and, and be like, well, no, actually, you're wrong. Because according to this, they were doing great. And it's like, well, yeah, but people are doing great in the U.S. too. But it's a nation in decay because the country has been polluted by individuals who are very selfish. Uh, that's one of the, the critiques to the Western or U.S. mentality uh, in which of you are doing badly is because of your own making, uh, where they value um, work through, um, what do you call it, group, you know, group work, but only at the benefit of an individual as opposed to the entire group. You know, twenty people do work, one benefits most, and that's because he's taking more of the risk. Like if you work anywhere... And if you do anything as a group project, you'll know that they'll always give you this uh, BS excuse that, well, you know what, that person over there, he's taking all his money and making sure, uh, and (coughs) ensuring he's taking all this money, all this risk, and then you're just having to make sure that the things go right so that he can make money and then he can provide a paycheck for you. Don't be so ungrateful, work hard, and maybe one day you'll have what he has, or etc., etc. So I don't like this mentality of me... The benefit, I'm the benefactor as an individual, but uh, we had to do this as a team. And, again, you'll find this in every work. There you go. You're working at a, at a regular job, and they may go, hey, brother, we're cutting hours. Your department is getting cut. Sorry. It is what it is. And then you can argue, and they'll tell you, well, your work effort, your work, um, you know, hasn't been really good. So that's why we're cutting hours. And, you know, you're, if you work hard, you'll get more hours. And you go, I am working hard. There you go, no. And then what do you say to that? It's not your job, you know. It's not your company. Uh, you're working for a company. So in that regard, you know, it, it, it's a country that it isn't the case. It's a country that no longer values group, it's, uh, as they used to say. It's a country that spews a lot of, we need community. We need to invest in our community. People are no longer being part of their communities. People are more isolated than ever. People are more lonely than ever. People need God. People need church. People need to bring back the old ways in which you knew your neighbors, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like we do. (laughs) but It starts at the companies and starts at the schools. You know, like if we go to a company to work for and they tell you all this BS about we're a family, you know, we can't do it alone. It's a group effort. But then when it comes down to distributing the wealth or the hours or whatever it may be, and you end up getting less and less, then you ask the question, why am I getting less? And they say, well, stop being so selfish. Just work harder and you'll get more. It's like, brother, like I'm working hard enough. And what the hell's going on? But I mean, and, and you know, like, that's what you hear for a lot of people. A lot of people will tell you, well, it's because you're lazy. A lot of people will tell you, I work my ass out, my ass every day, and I have what I have because I work my ass every day. But again, there, there's a lot of people who are working their ass every day and they don't have anything and don't have things that they want to have. And, and you may be wondering, well, what do you mean? Like, vacation, shit like that? No, like a, a little house, a nice family. You know, the community is dying. You know, drugs are infesting our nation, our streets. And they have people telling you, well, you just got to work hard. It's like, well, how hard do I have to work? Well, as hard as me. You know, it'll always be their answer. They always give you this <laughs> bullshit answer that, hey, I work 20 hours a day. I work 177 hours a day a week. And I have what I have. You need to do that, you lazy piece of shit. It's like, brother, it's like, what the hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? These unobtainable ideals in order to have what somebody else has. It's like, no, there's not that many opportunities. There are only so many spots that can be filled. Again, I, I say this every time. It's like, you can say, well, be a welder, be this. There's plenty of jobs for those. There's plenty of jobs for that. It's like, well, what about the people who are um, training those jobs but can't find a job because it's either too far, they got to relocate, or, or they just simply don't have the option to do or move to the place where the jobs are. It's like, well, what do you say to that? Well, what, you, what people say is tough shit, right? You want something to just move there. It's like, well, I don't want to move to freaking Nebraska. You know, I want to stay where I'm at. And I guess, you know, those are choices that you can make. But if if they tell you there are jobs, you just got to move. And you're like, I don't want to. I can Whatever. Well, then the jobs are going to be unfulfilled, right? You can move. You won't move. So then the question is, what do you do? Do you toughen up and move? And then what if you do? What if you go there? And they're like, actually, we don't need another person because we're doing just fine with 10. You know, it requires 20, but 10 is plenty. They're getting more hours. And quite frankly, we don't need an extra person here to bring in drama. So then you also get confronted with that, right? Jobs that say we have enough personnel, we don't need another one. And again, I know this is coming from Chinese labs, but what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Chinese labs talking about people welding in Ohio. <laughs> well, I don't know, but uh, this is just again part of the part of the disease that is ravaging our country. You know, you have Chinese labs, so you don't even know what's in your own backyard because you're too worried about the front yard, and the front yard looks like shit because nobody is working on it because everybody's been told, well, why would I do it <laughs> if he's not doing it? Why will I do it? And, and you know, this is how how nations die. One, two, three, Niger, Niger. Say it with me, it's na- Nigeria, it's Niger, it's Niger. Ah. So, Niger, California. All right, so Niger uh, has a, had a coup on the 26th of July. Uh, the new president, what was his name? Oof. I gotta look this dude up. I forgot what his, <laughs> what his name was. Um, he was the, uh, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. So the new president uh, ended up was actually the bodyguard of the old one he was like the head of the um of the of the uh, national security guard whatever they call it uh here it, here it is here it is here it is here it is his name is uh he doesn't say what the fuck his name is that's insane to I me mean, well general Tichani, the classroom show with the national consul, whatever his name was it doesn't matter he's a nobody i guess whatever so niger ends up having a coup and wouldn't you know it, the new US president is ousted. The new one is, is chosen by the military uh, coup. He's <laughs> his old bodyguard. And I guess he, I was reading that he he was about to get fired. And next thing you know, he ends up leading a coup. And the new president, or the old president, the elected president, uh, gets home arrest. Becomes under, becomes, gets into, what the fuck am I saying? The new president is under house arrest. Whoopsie doopsie and then the entire uh democratically elected leadership is, is under home arrest as well so then now what you have is you have ECOWAS which is the eastern or the western african uh, economic region uh, essentially threatening niger with military intervention now niger doesn't back down and then you have countries as uh, Mali and Burkina Faso. I think Burkina Faso. What the hell was the name? Um. Ended up telling him, "Hey, hey! If you guys end up uh, invading Niger, we will declare war on you guys as well, Burkina Faso." And then you have other countries like Guinea. Who the president of Guinea was like, "Hey, if if you guys have, if you guys invade uh, Niger, this could extend beyond the borders." of niger like this conflict could extend it so he opted up for peace because echo was essentially uh, put on a, a, a entire economic uh, embargo on the country of niger so no economic trade or anything like that nigeria who had its own coup a couple years back ended up cutting its and its power uh, to niger but still they haven't necessarily um declared war have mentioned that they wanted war um, Niger uh, has a lot of uranium that France uh, exported from there. <laughs> As you know, France has been involved in, in Africa for a very, very long time, unlike the English or the well unlike the British really or anybody else. They tended to stay staying there, right? They have uh, their economic um, what do you call it their economic the French franc. so they have economic um, control over Western Africa so I think we went over this on the last uh, thing I was talking about. I did a whole thing. So, they have control over West Africa, Central Africa, its economy. So, lot of those countries in, uh, <laughs> are essentially part of a French, um, I, I mean, what would you, it's not a colony, but like protector, I guess. Where they have their own independent government, but France still calls in the shots. Uh, and then f- the French government said that if their assets were in danger, they will take military action. Uh, Niger has also accused France of essentially violating their airspace. Uh, Wagner is in there, they're in Mali, uh, particularly, uh, and they are, you know, mercenary group from Russia. Uh, what was his name? The, uh, Wagner group chief, uh, Pregosha <laughs> came out of nowhere. Uh, I guess he wasn't, he wasn't, um, he wasn't really exiled to Belarus. So he has a lot of power still in Russia. And then he came over here to, um, essentially come and say, Hey, we can, we can take care of Niger. Uh, extremist problems like that like we can't take control like that like give us some time and then we'll control it We'll take care of it. We'll essentially hate Niger. So then you have Niger so Military personnel so generals going over to Mali meeting with Wagner and they essentially told them told Wagner Hey, you guys are welcome to come over here and I guess I don't know take control of the country cuz I mean They're still obviously it's not entirely secure. I mean you, you can have a coup in a country but still it doesn't mean you have full control of the country. You know, there's still pockets of resistance. There's still military bases. The U.S. has two military bases. There are foreign militaries in there. Uh, they're using the West exactly. <laughs> the West exactly. I don't know. If, but, you know, French. The U.S. are using Nigeria as a, as a staging ground to attack Niger. Uh, not so much is coming out of it. So not a lot of it, like, exactly what they're doing, you know, attacks, that kind of stuff. It's a lot of, you know, cloak and dagger. But they are attacking Niger in many ways. From Nigeria, uh, Niger, essentially, it's on its own. Like I said, Mali and Burkina Faso and Wagner have said that they're well. Faso and Mali have said that they, if if any country invades Niger, it'll be like they're declaring war of them. Which I mean, you know, they don't have the best the best military, you know, Mali or Faso, but they do have a lot of resources, which is essentially what Europe and the U.S. and particularly France are in there you know France gets a lot of coal a lot of uranium a lot of it. I mean everything from uh it's it's African I mean you can call them colonies at this point I mean they're just exploiting the hell out of France I'm oh, sorry the hell out of Africa and a lot of these coups have been because a lot of the people who are living in this African countries especially Niger, do not trust the government the democratically elected government in their countries <laughs> because they don't do anything you know they essentially came out to the streets protested But they didn't protest against the uh, coup. They protested against the government, against the Western uh, militaries in their nation. They essentially said, get the fuck out. You know, we're good. We want this to happen because our president is corrupt. And you can talk to anybody in Indonesia, and they'll tell you the same thing. They'll tell you, yeah, our president is corrupt. It's not just uh, in Africa, but not everyone would be happy with a coup, even though, even in our own nation. Uh, during Trump, a lot of people were talking about a military coup to bring him down. Uh, thankfully, that never happened. Uh, but even now, they're talking about, hey, he wanted to do a coup. So a lot of people love the military. <laughs> even in, in in our Western world and in other parts of the world, they love their military. Uh, mainly because they don't really get to see it. <laughs> and the countries that they do see it, they may not be so happy because a lot of military commits, commits uh, a lot of crimes, especially... In certain parts of the country, so a lot of people don't like it. But for the most part, people tend to have a, a higher trust for uh, their military institutions over their uh, more public figures, you know, presidents, senators, etc., etc. Because you know they don't, they may not see the military, and they might be <laughs> have this false narrative that hey, the military is not doing anything because our uh, democratically elected government isn't letting them do anything. So there's this false perce- perception that. The military is actually better and more for the people than they may actually be because they don't really get to see them. And again, in countries where the military is highly active, uh, you know, people tend to doubt it, right? Like Mexico, for example, for a long, long time uh, during the 80s, there was a massacre of students in Mexico and the people distrusted the military. (laughs) But after they were retired, uh, essentially put back into the barracks and they were not in the nation or seen as often. They people begin to trust him more. Now, not all of them Not the people that grew up or saw the massacre, but people who didn't see that, and people who were growing up, they had a, a higher trust for the military than they did for the president or any other democratic body. They simply felt that the um, public officials were use were not using them properly. So when there were there was, um, I think it was 2006, whenever the president declared war against the cartels, people loved the military. But now. Uh, The military has been part of Mexico for over a decade, or maybe less than a decade, rather. And people are tired. You know, they see the military as ineffective, just authoritative. Uh, You can argue that in a lot of cases, the military has to act in a certain way, but they see them as corrupt, no better than the uh, cartels in some places. They even prefer the cartels over the military. So a lot of these things do resonate um, in Africa. You know, like people see the military as the last bastion of hope that they have. And then surely they will eventually see them as, hey, they're sort of no different than the public officials that were exploiting us or the foreign military that was exploiting us. They're just a different different code of pain over the same individuals who are uh, taking our riches. And uh, I, I'm wondering what's going to happen to Africa after this. Uh, a lot of people are talking about a sort of Arab, rather African spring. I mean, it technically kind of already has happened, but it might happen. You know, there's a lot of coups going around. Uh, The West, might end up taking Niger back. Who knows? Who knows what they're going to do. It's a little crazy. Things are advancing very slowly. Uh, There's this guy I like to listen to. His name is Rosarin. He tends to do this Lenin quote. Uh, Let me (laughs) look it up real quick. That way we we can quote it. Lenin quote. And and here it is. Uh, Well, he has a bunch of quotes. This motherfucker has a lot of quotes. Jesus. Uh, Decades. Oh my God, this dude has a lot of quotes. But uh, I'm not a, I'm not a Lenin guy. I don't really give a shit about him. But this is a quote that he uses a lot. And, and I mean, it's very true. Here it is. There are decades where nothing happens. And there are weeks where decades happen. Okay, maybe, maybe it was him. I have no idea if he actually said it. It's been attributed to him. People use it as such. I mean, it's a pretty good quote. But, you know, like, I guess it is kind of true. A lot of things are happening. <laughs> you can say that in 20 to 2010s as well. A lot of things happen. You know, nothing happened, and a lot of things are happening. You know, Russia, Africa. People are saying we're getting ready for a world war. Perhaps we are. I don't know. I don't know. Really, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, but anyway, this is essentially all I wanted to talk about. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I've been your host Kato, and Kato out.